right, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this incredible morning. So fun this time of this time of year. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would please give our governing authorities at the highest level wisdom this week. God, we pray that you help our leaders, especially those Christian leaders, to let your spirit speak through their tongues, not their flesh. Help them be wise. God, we pray for our own city. We pray, God, you'd give you'd give wisdom to our leaders to keep us safe and keep us all loving each other. And we just are grateful for this morning because we get to be here and hear from you. You're the one, Lord Jesus, whom we want to hear from. Please speak to us. Amen. Amen. Hey, as you're seated, turn to your neighbor and say, go Dodger Blue. (laughs) Oh, we had a special day yesterday, didn't we? Oh, yeah, we did. (laughs) We had a special one. Oh, yeah. We'll see how today goes, huh? Yeah, I know. Some of you just decided this is your last Sunday at Adventure. Hey, I'm so glad you're here. If you're visiting, I'm Scott. I'm, I'm the founding pastor at Adventure, but I'm one of a couple pastors. I'm so grateful to be here with you this morning. No exaggeration, uh, because today is a special day. For us, and you'll see why. Very special day. I'm saying you're here at the beginning of a day that probably only compares to a day in 2009 and a day, the first day in October in 2003. I'm not exaggerating. Turn to your neighbor and say, wow, quite a day. (laughs) Yeah. So I want to tell you uh, this morning that I want to ask this uh, question uh, from... The New Testament, where is God looking for you to excel next? Where does God want you to excel next? Let me be clear. Where does God want you to excel next? <laughs> or us to excel next? And I asked this question because I had to answer this question when I was 18 years old. When I was 18 years old, I had inherited quite a bit of money. My dad died. That was the unfortunate piece, but he prepared for his death, and I inherited some money. Back then, it was enough to buy a condo in Dana Point, which I wish I had done. <laughs> and I was, I was a young kid who was new to the faith, and I wanted nothing more in life than making lots of money. I know I'm unique. And I, and I, I, I actually, I had an opportunity. My mom had a friend of them anymore because they scared race horses, and I liked horses back then. I've had several horses. I don't have them anymore because they scare me. I'm looking for a mule. But... I had a horse that was sired by Buds Alive in 75. It's a quarter horse, very popular horse in, 19, in the 70s. And I named this filly that I was given. It was a $10,000 stud fee for this filly. I named her uh, Buds Alive in 85. 85. That's back in the future days. I thought, we are gonna, I'm going to make some money off this horse. Average, average fillies and colts out of this sire made $200,000. And I thought, I'm 18 years old. It's my senior year of high school. I can see that Porsche 911 out in the high school parking lot here soon. Well, my horse was the fastest horse out of the gate in Los Alamitos. But she was the slowest one at the finish line. <laughs> and my friends came to me and they said, my, our trainer, Don Blazer, he said, hey, she's fast. I mean, she is fast, but she doesn't want to win. I'm like, what? Can you change that? Nope. Those horses decide who's going to win at the gate. They, they look at each other, and they say, hey, you're going to win? 
nope, you're going to win. Uh, he's going to win. They, they have that kind of psychology. It's kind of like a marriage. And <laughs> here's the deal. So, so I'm like, what, what are we going to do? He said, nothing. Can't make her any faster if she don't want to go faster. She's super fast, but she don't want to go fast. So I thought I was going to make $200,000, minimal, as, a, as an 18-year-old. It was good living. Doesn't that sound good? And instead, I lost a lot of money. I didn't have that much, some, but I lost $5,000 just like that. I was like, geez, man, what's going on, Lord? Scripture says, how blessed is the man? Psalm 1. In whatever he does, he prospers. It's the only verse I knew in the Bible back then. In whatever he does, he prospers, right? Sometimes we just remember the, the fun verses, right? Right? And then I, I, since, I, since I had some dollars, I was referred to this certified financial planner. You know, you know who those people are? This guy had been around for a long time. He's in his mid-70s now. And back then, he was referred to me by some really devoted Christian mature people. Sit down with this guy. He'll give you good advice. So I'm like, oh, yeah. Whatever he does, he'll prosper. Yep, 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 yep. So we sit down with him in his office, and he says, first thing I want to talk to you about is tithing. And I'm like, it was kind of that what's happening Willis moment. What you talking about? We want to talk to you about giving. I I thought I was here to make money. No, I want to talk to you about giving. And I'm like, 18 years old, I'm like, is this a cult? What are you talking about? This guy, this guy had managed, he's, he manages now half a billion dollars. He, and, and the first thing he talks to his t- clients about, giving. And they look at him like, what? I thought you were here to give to me. And it was that moment where at 18 years old, God said, hey, OC boy, I want to talk to you about your heart. I want to talk to you about where you really need to excel. Where you really need to excel is in giving. And it, it for me, was I felt like I'd been slapped. I felt like I had gotten, like, like it was uncomfortable, you know? And I left, like, what is he talking about? I, I didn't even understand the word, this idea of giving the Lord as much as 10% or more of your income. To me, it was like, what? Okay. I thought, wow, maybe the racehorsing thing wasn't a good idea. Folks, this morning, I want to talk to you about the area in your life I believe God wants you to excel. And you could feel a little bit today like I felt back in Newport Beach in 20... No, it wasn't 20. It was 1986, okay? You could feel like that today. You know, sometimes when your doctor tells you something you don't want to hear, it kind of gets under your skin, doesn't it? No? You don't mind hearing your doctor say, hey, you're obese. Have you ever heard that one? Yeah, I remember when my doctor used that word on me. I'm like, dude, that's a cuss word. You don't say that to a patient, do you? He said, yeah, you're obese. I'm like, what? Sometimes there's stuff we need to hear, isn't there? Adventurers, sometimes there's stuff we need to hear, isn't there? Yes, sir. Let's look, let's look at some stuff. Christians will spend as much on pet care this year as they will give to the church. Do the math. Take your calculator out. What do you think? I love pets. We're not, we're not being disrespectful to our, our, kit, our cats or our dogs here, right? 
Giving in the church is averaging 2% per capita. That means take your average income. Average Christians in the USA are giving 2% of that income. Non-Christians, people that don't have a God worldview, are giving 2.5% to nonprofit organizations. Is that clear? Non-Christians are out-giving Christians. What's going on? Turn to your neighbor and say, how are you doing this morning? <laughs> giving in the Great Depression, not Great Recession of 2009, giving in the Great Depression of 1930 per capita was 3.3%. Your great or great-grandfather is typically outgiving the average American Christian family today. Only 33 to 50% of church attenders give anything. Okay? Anything at all. Only 3 to 5% of those who give to the church actually tithe. You guys all right? You, you need to reach out. And if you're with someone <laughs> that you love, reach out and grab their hand right now. Okay. By the way, a good romantic lunch might be in play today. So if, you, if, you, if you're not doing well, go out and have a romantic lunch okay? at Wendy's. Okay. <laughs> Thirdly, the average church attender gives $17 a week nationwide. <clears throat> if the adventurers who currently give, the ones who give, there's about 374 of them. If the current adventurers who currently give increase their giving to a tithe, the Old Testament model. According to the federal government's data on the average household income of our zip codes, our budget would increase by 2.1 million. Christians are giving less today than at any time in our history. All right. Do you see the challenge? We're all challenged by this. So here's, here's my promise to you as I go forward today. You're going to hear from Jesus. The text I have today is from Jesus. I hope it, it, it gives, it encourages your heart, not judges your heart, not makes you leave here feeling guilty, not makes you hear angry at me, although that's okay, sometimes that happens, but that you are drawn to the heart of God today, the heart of Jesus. Is that a good deal? You're going to hear from Jesus today, not my opinion. It's chapter 8, verses 1 through chapter 10, verse 1, and here's the context. Paul is encouraging the church at Corinth to give to the Christians in Jerusalem who are experiencing poverty as a result of the persecution that's happening in the Roman world. They're being tremendously marginalized, kicked out of the synagogue, and they need financial resources. They're struggling to eat like several different regions in our globe are now. Paul's saying, take up an offering for them. And he exhorts the Corinthians to follow or look to the example of the Macedonian Christians. And those Christians would include the church at Philippi that was incredibly generous, the church at Berea, 
Remember, that's the people that checked every time Paul taught as to whether or not he was teaching from the word of God, the Bereans. We have a Bible bookstore named after them. And the church at Thessalonica, that was an incredible example. So from 2 Corinthians, we get, the, we get an answer to the question, where is God looking for you to excel next? I hope to show that with you today, show that, share that with you today in a way that is from Jesus and that really frees your heart, frees your heart. Number one, giving is a grace of God. Giving is a grace of God. You've probably never heard it said that way, but remember when Paul writes to church, Paul was Jesus, one of Jesus' most prolific writers. When Paul writes to the church, is it Paul's words? No. Paul said, everything I share with you is from Jesus, face to face. So when we read from Paul, we're really reading from Jesus. Can we agree on that? Paul's not out writing his own op-ed, okay? This is from Jesus. And Paul says, and now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about, oh, by the way, white is going to be red today. So when we get to the white, if you can see it, read it with me. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches in the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Incredible examples from people who are really struggling financially. And I think you would agree, developing people, developing world people struggle financially on a level we cannot relate. Are we all getting that from global news? Here's what I want to suggest Paul's saying here. By grace, God saved us, for we are saved by grace through faith, not as a result of works that any man should boast. Agree? We are saved for grace, for, by grace, God saved us, and by grace, God gives through us. The same grace that saves you is the same grace the Spirit wants to use to give through you. It's an incredible experience. That's, that'll, that brings you near to the heart of God. Giving is spiritual. Some people do not think it is. They separate it from their spiritual life. It brings you near to the heart of God. Giving will do that for you. How? How are you going to see giving as a grace of God? Listen to stories of generosity. When you're around people that you think might give, ask them, hey, how have you personally you got any stories about your generosity? I want to hear them. Tell me how generosity has impacted you spiritually. Tell me how it's impacted your family. Share a story with me. I heard one this in the last two weeks from an adventurer. Having dinner with him, he said, you know what? This is what happened in my family. My wife was an alcoholic. And throughout even our marriage that was challenging... She would tell me, we need to start tithing. We need to start tithing. And I was like, he said, I'm not, he didn't listen to her. Then she died. And he didn't watch the bills, but when he finally took over the bills, they were a mess. They were near bankruptcy. And he kept hearing her voice. Even after that awful disease took her life, he kept hearing her voice. We need to start tithing. We need to start tithing. So he's like, eh, let's try it. So there, he's facing bankruptcy. He starts tithing. And all of a sudden, now this is just his experience, okay? He gets a check in the mail from some, some litigation that he was a part of years ago. All of a sudden, God starts providing for him in ways he never saw, ever. 
He didn't have to declare bankruptcy. His whole financial portfolio changed. He was able to sell his house in the Bay Area at the best time of the market and move forward. I'm not saying that's going to happen to everyone. But what I'm saying is if you're not listening to stories of generosity, you're not going to know about the grace of God. The grace, the grace of God is, is not only what saves us, it what gi- it's what gives through us. It's a grace. It's amazing when you hear people's stories about, about giving. Giving is spiritual. Don't, don't write it off as non-spiritual. It's very spiritual. It brings you near the heart of God. In fact, even as we talk about this mess, talk about this topic where we need to excel, we have to ask ourselves, hey, maybe that speaks to this kind of vacancy I have in my heart. Because <laughs> all I think about is money. <laughs> I'm not freed. <laughs> I'm enslaved to it. Giving is the opportunity to buy your freedom back. Giving is the opportunity to buy your heart's freedom back. That's where we're headed. Number two, giving is, say that one with me, though it's not in white. Giving is, hey, it is. Listen to Jesus' words through Paul. Check these out. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. It's all about people. Giving's about people. You'll see some today. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord. And then, by the will of God, also to us. So what do we know about giving? It's, it's, it's giving to the Lord first. You don't give to adventure You give to the Lord Jesus Christ through adventure. Giving is all about giving yourself to the Lord. It's giving yourself to the Lord Jesus first. So if you're feeling the tension, if you're regretting coming this morning, it's it's you and the Lord. Okay, Keep this between the two of you. Are you with me? It's between you and Jesus. And if you're married, your spouse. Okay? All right? And if you're pet, if, and if you're not married and you got a pet, it's, you got to talk to him about how much you're spending on him. Or her. Okay? Maybe have a little conversation. Okay? Jesus is jealous. I'm spending more money on you than I am him. Okay. Give yourself to the Lord first. So this is, this is where you got to start here, personally. It's lordship. Making him your manager. You're just a steward. Giving is spiritual. It will bring you near the heart of God. It has the capacity, actually, if you allow it. Giving can allow you to buy the freedom of your heart back. Because I think you'd have to admit that your heart can be owned by, by money. Am I the only one? Is it just me? Okay, just me. Just kidding. Number three. By the way, this is the third point. We're already there. Giving is a grace in which to excel next. Next. It's the next area for you to excel in. Don't agree with me? I'll prove it to you. Here it is. So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made in, a begi- in the beginning. Let me read that again. So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of everything 
Listen to this. In faith, we have people that are strong in faith here. In sness, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in love, we see that you also, say it with me. There it is. Giving is spiritual. It brings you close to the heart of God. It's an area of God's grace he wants you to excel in. How you doing this morning? You with me? He wants you to grow here. Don't mean to hurt your feelings, but you're not special. He wants you to grow here. <laughs> he wants you to grow. He wants all of us to grow here. Okay? Now, let's continue to read what he says. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Giving is, has a very ag metaphor behind it. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a, say it loud with me, cheerful giver. Say it like you really mean it. God loves a cheerful giver. Yep, yep. And God is able to bless you abundantly. What? What are you talking about? So that in all things... In all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower, this is the most important part of the message in my opinion. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Where's your seed come from? What does it say when you're afraid to give away your seed? You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. The Jerusalem Christians will thank God for your generosity. For many believers, Andy Stanley, For many believers, cheerful giving has become fearful giving. We are not opposed to supporting God's kingdom with our resources. And we're really not greedy. But we're concerned. We're concerned that if we don't look after our own needs first, they might not get looked at after all. Yet the testimony of Scripture today together with the experiences of millions of believers, sends a resounding response to our concerns. Any fear associated with giving to God's kingdom is irrational. Here's why. It's on par with the farmer who, out of fear of losing his seed, refuses to plant his fields. As absurd as that may sound, many of us are guilty of hoarding the financial seed that God intends to be sown for the harvest that is yet to come. And it's all because of fear. So so let's have a little ag fun. I'm I'm not very agricultural, but I'm going to try. This is a 50-pound bag of wheat. Got this from the farmer store. Let's pretend I'm a farmer, right? I got a big old harvest that I, I need 
in the spring to get my family through, right? My wife and I have this. This is our 50-pound bag of seed, right? Here's the deal. So farmers farmers have, to, have to live in a space of faith. Sometimes I don't think we can relate to because they're so subject to weather, so subject to the soil, so subject to the pestilence out there. That's why we get sprayed north of Elkhorn all the time, right? You have to live in faith there. But imagine a farmer who says, you know what? I'm not willing to sow the seed this year. I'm afraid if I sow the seed, I won't have any seed in the future. So I'm going to, I'm not going to sow the seed. Let's see how my, let's see how my crops do this year. That's the irration, irrationale, irrationale of fearful giving. We imagine that we made the seed. We imagine that, and strategic thinking and high IQ, that got us all the seed. And so the idea is if we, if we plant the seed, we're not going to, have any more seed. Do you see how that, from a farming standpoint, if you do not plant the seed, you don't get any more seeds. Does that make sense? Next time you're with a farmer, ask him, hey, if you don't plant this year, what do you expect to harvest next spring? And he's going to look at you as if you need medical help. Okay? God's given all of us seed, and here's the crazy thing. He's willing to give you more seed. And so the seed actually becomes a place of relationship between you and him. You get to watch him give you seed, and sometimes he'll take seed away from you, right? What did Job say? The Lord blesses me with seed, and sometimes the Lord takes away from seed. But it's a relationship. And so money is no longer fearful. Because money is spiritual, it brings you near the heart of God like a farmer who's dependent upon God to take the seed God's given him and multiply it on his fields. Giving is spiritual. It brings you near the heart of God. So how do we excel in this grace of giving? I think it's very individual. You have to ask yourself this question. You have to ask Jesus to put on your heart how he wants you to excel in this grace of giving. He's got to put it on your heart because it's got to be cheerful, not fearful, right? It's got to be you and Jesus. You've got to give yourself to the Lord first, right? So that's a prayer we're going to pray today. We're going to ask Jesus. Does that sound safe? Now, why? Why why this series now? Why now? Because we are on mission as a church. Today, I'm excited to introduce you. If you didn't receive this program when you came in, please raise your hand, and our guest services will get them to you. I'm excited to announce our mission. Here's our mission. Our new mission at Adventure, Multiply Hope Mission. The elders of Adventure Christian Church have prayerfully determined to purchase 
the Adventure Church campus before our lease expires on April 30, 2021. That's the campus you're at right now, okay? It includes the comfortable chairs you're at right now. And if we do that, we will save more than $1 million, okay? We are currently about halfway through a five-year lease that has an option for us to purchase the building for $3 million. This is a $1 million, this is $1 million below the estimate market value of $4 million. I asked our broker two weeks ago, what would you sell this building for? He said $4.2 million right now. Huh? Our elders were very patient with this lease when we first negotiated it, and we were willing to walk away, with, away from it. Their courage resulted, I think, in this kind of, this kind of negotiation. Our goal is to raise $1.5 million, which would give the church enough funds to, take, to make a substantial down payment. We have good options for financing the remaining balance at attractive interest rates. This means that we would have additional funds to expand ministries and reach more people for Christ in Natomas. We feel this is a prudent step to take at this time in order to raise a down payment and to make improvements that will support our church ministry and group. In summary, we don't want to be leases anymore. We want to own this whole campus. We think it's a very smart business decision. What's the plan? Well, it's similar to what happened in the Great Recession. In 2009, during the Great Recession, how many of you were here? Raise your hand at Adventure. Okay? So you'll remember this. We challenged adventurers to put God's house above their own house through sacrificial giving so that our purses wouldn't have holes. When you put God's house first, it actually, he puts your house first. When you don't put God's house first, he puts holes in your purses. The book of Haggai teaches that. And we chose to give the kingdom of God. We thought the kingdom of God would be expanded. We didn't even have a building in mind. We were at Heron School. Great school, I might add. The plan is the same in 2018. Ask adventurers to give sacrificially in a way that honors God first and develops a faith that is dependent on God. So that God will be able to ensure that hope will be multiplied here in Natomas. It's a faith, again, that's dependent upon God, our seed provider. He's. It's quiet in here right now. I'm super, thank you. I'm super excited. Okay? I want you to know I love you. I'm super, thank you. I'm super excited about this. Not just for the building, the spiritual growth that will come through it, the stories that will come through people trusting God with their seed. That's exciting to me. The, the hearts of adventurers who, who call adventure home, who will move closer to the heart of God and be, more, be less fearful about giving and more cheerful about it. The marriages that will get stronger because they won't be having arguments about money anymore. Doesn't that sound nice? Let's try to practice it after services too. Multiply Hope, that's our mission, is a three-year mission in which we will ask all those who call Adventure their home to commit and give sacrificially over and above their regular giving with a goal of raising $1.5 million towards the purchase and improvement of 1500 North Market. That's right where we're at. Now, what if it doesn't happen? What What if we're not able to achieve our goal? What's the math of it? Here's the math. 
Here's the facts. Failing to purchase this campus very likely sends us back to looking for a new meeting site. Maybe we could go back to Heron School. Who wants to be on that setup and tear down team? Maybe we could go back to the Ben. Who wants to take care of security there? You know, we did that for 655 Sundays. 12 years. I have the trailer, uh, some of the trailer equipment in my office, just as a reminder of our wilderness experience. Okay. Why does it send us looking for a new site? Here's the math. Our five-year lease of this property right now, we, we only lease 27,000 square feet. We're leasing at 44 cents a square foot, which cost us $12,240 a month. Okay? We can renegotiate this lease in five years, but we have to renegotiate at the market at 95% of the market value. 95% of the market value today, today, I'm not talking about in two years, is a dollar a square foot. Point of information. That means our lease goes from $1,240 to a minimum of $27,000 a month. That to me is a lot of money. Our first option to buy this campus in January of 2021 with a $1.5 million down payment at a 25-year loan at a conservative projected 5.95% interest rate, takes our lease to a monthly mortgage payment of $9,600 a month. Let me just ask, if you're in the market to buy a house or lease a house, which situation ideally do you want to be in? Right? We're trying to put God's house first because we know when we put God's house first, he does what? He puts our house first. Book of Haggai, great book. Why is our vision important? In summary, Natomas is going to grow from 110,000 to 140,000 in the next 10 to 15 years. We're growing. Talk to, talk to developers. There's so many houses going up here, it's crazy, right? Lots of development here in Natomas. We want to have a permanent church home where we can multiply hope here. Our mission is to bring hope. We want to see it multiplied here. Sacramento is unique. We talk about the developing world opportunities. We've got to remember that the developing world is here, right here. Did you know that there are 48 spoken languages in our Natomas Unified School District? That's more than just Spanish, what I was taught in high school, right? 48, that is per NUSD. And there are 77 incidences of other non-California Department of Education recognized languages, English-speaking languages in our school district. I don't know what they are. Point is, there's a lot. The world that we've been sent to go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything Jesus taught us, that world is here in Natomas, Sacramento. The question we have to answer is, were we born to be hope bringers right here? Are you God's ambassador right here? That's the question we have to answer. <clears throat> In 
Investing in this facility gives Adventure the opportunity to change culture, to be God's instruments in moving Sacramento from one of the most disinterested cities in the U.S., in Christ, that is, to a city that is experiencing Jesus and revival. Here's the point. Of all of our states, did you know all of our cities in the U.S., Sacramento ranks 15th in the most disinterested in Christianity. Does that surprise you? More disinterested than Sacramento? It's the Bay Area. There's not a region in Southern California that beats us in being disinterested in Christianity. Don't you love that? We're winning. We're beating SoCal. We've got more non-Christians up here than they do. That's why you're here and not in San Diego. Sorry. People need the hope of Jesus. It's here for a reason. People need the hope of the gospel. People need the hope of Jesus. You're not just here because you can afford it. You actually may not be able to afford it yet. You're here because God wants you to use you to be an ambassador of hope here. By the way, the other regions that are, that are increasingly disinterested in the gospel, they're like, I like the challenge. What does owning this property give us? Here it is. Space for children and grandchildren. And if you have this brochure, you'll see. This brochure will actually specify what happens on the day we buy this property. We exercise our first option. We get 4,000 square feet just like that. The owner in the back gets to stay here for five years and then after for free. And then after that, we get 10,000 more square feet. What are we going to do with it? I don't know. Maybe a dance hall. We don't know. Okay? Okay? All right? We don't know. but there's space enough to grow to a church of 5,000 here. That's a lot of hope. That's a lot of services too. Space for people once held in bondage. Space for people to hear Jesus' words of freedom, understanding, wisdom, and insight as it relates to generosity. I want to tell you about a couple that I just saw walk in a few minutes ago. This is, uh, this is Con and Tawny. They shared their story, and their story is important because their story is what bringing hope is all about. It's people. One of our values here is people matter. This family matters to me personally for a lot of reasons. Con and Tani say it this way. We were going through a tough season that started with the birth of our daughter, Paige, in 2009. At the height of our tough season, we had to sell our home and take care of some financial difficulties. We had a miscarriage, and our marriage was crumbling to pieces. As a last resort, to celebrate our 10th year anniversary, we attended Family Life's Weekend to Remember so we can tell ourselves that we tried everything to save our marriage. Not only did it save our marriage on February 13, 2016, we both accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, and when we returned home, we made the decision to start going to church. So the question was, which church do we attend? Our decision was based on the following service times. 9.30 or 10.30. (laughs) Hey, times matter, don't they? We decided on the 10.30 service at Adventure, and upon our arrival, we were greeted by Max Matthews, and we knew that that we had found our church home. Side note, um, their family with Max, their family with me, my oldest son. God's love is never-ending and continuous, they write. He never stopped fighting for our marriage. He continues to fight for us and reminds us of His love every step of our 
journey here on earth. And in knowing that, we have so much hope in our family. And in due time, we were blessed with a home in February and welcomed our second child, Pearl, in June. Love, Con and Tawny. What a beautiful story. Beautiful story. Con and Tawny are first-generation Christians in their home. That happens in Natomas. And it's the story we want multiplied here. On and on and on. You were born for this. You were born to be ambassadors here in this region that is disinterested in Christ. What can you do now? First is you can pray. If you, don't, if you have this calendar, take it out. Today, I want to initiate the first day of a 40-day prayer calendar for all those who call Adventure their home church. Today is day one. September 30th, we have a 40-day prayer calendar, calendar from September 30th all the way through November the 8th. And I want to invite you to pray daily with me for multiplying hope. And I want to begin with a prayer right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for all those to whom you brought hope through Adventure, through Adventure's volunteers, through Adventure's teachers, small group leaders, student volunteers, students, worship artists, care team unit, Compassion 365. Thank you for all the hope you brought through Adventure. And what we're asking according to Jesus' brother's words, James, we're asking in faith. We, we, we believe, we do not doubt that you have us here in part to be a part of your grand mission to bring Jesus' hope to this region. We love our community of Natomas. We love our city of Sacramento. And we ask that you would help us be a part of Multiply Hope in the way you want us to. In Jesus' name, amen. That's the start. And you have a challenge here to actually not just pray, but to fast. Not just pray, but to fast on the other side of the, of the card. And we encourage you, if you practice fasting, to if you're going to fast for more than three days, that you would consult a doctor, your physician, okay? First, a prayer together. How fun that will be to know that when I'm praying, you're praying every day. How many are in for that? You want to commit 40. All right, awesome. Look around. Is there anything more important than we can do than pray? This is it. This is the number one habit of the early church. Pray. Let's pray together. 40 days. How many of you are in for 40 days of prayer? Let me see those hands. Awesome. Let's do it together. Okay, second thing you can do, well, prepare prayerfully prepare to make a financial commitment over and above your regular giving to the Multiply Hope Sunday on November 11th. So on November 11th, which is, you have this calendar here of events, this calendar of experiences on November the 11th, that is our day where we say, Jesus, I want to give this gift to you. This is what you've put on my heart over and above my regular giving, okay? And you're going to make that commitment on November 11th, if you're not able to be here on November 11th, let us know, and we can, we can still make your commitment count. 
You're going to be given a card to actually put that commitment on, and that may freak you out. You're like, I ain't signing no card. Don't give me no card. Here's, here's, the, here's the deal, though. Do you know who wants to see the cards? The bank. They want to know. I'm not exaggerating. They, they actually they have uh, um, financial um, trust, those cards, if the bank knows our commitment level. Okay? So we'll have one person will see your card that's, that's actually recording them. That's it. It's all anonymous. You know your giving here is totally confidential, right? You know I don't know what you give. You know that? I have no idea. I know what she gives, I think, because we're married. But <laughs> that's it, all right? <laughs> and I just think that that's the way. It's between you and Jesus, not me and you. Agreed? That's just how it is. So we're going to keep it that way. It's been that way for 15 years. We're not going to stop. By the way, today is the last Sunday of 15 years here for us. How about that? Okay. Now, on that November 11th, what I want you to prayerfully consider is giving... Ideally, as much as 10% of what you hope to give over three years. Now, I realize for many of us, you're like, that ain't going to happen. Okay, that's all right. But the more we can bring that first Sunday on November 11th, it's an indicator, it's a metric of how well we'll do the following 36 months. Okay? And it helps, it helps uh, from a morale standpoint. So pray about that. Pray about that. Participate. Commit to being here each Sunday. I hope to engage you every Sunday for the next six weeks, okay? So prepare to be here every Sunday. And it, if, if, you, if you didn't get a chance to do your hair the way you want to do it or your shirts aren't pressed like you want it, here's the deal. We don't care. Just show up. If you show up in your PJs, well, don't be in your PJs, but, but show up, okay? We don't judge you by how you look here, okay? We don't. All right. So commit to being here each Sunday for the next six weeks to engage with the message and help you excel in the grace of giving. Who needs to excel in the grace of giving? All of us. All of us. It's all of us. And how do we know this? Because Jesus is telling us. Okay? Is Scott telling you today? Mm -mm. I'm just saying the same thing. Jesus asked events. So we have, some, we have some vision events in October. I want you there at one of them. The vision events in October, it's a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Prepare. Hey, reflect on God's grace. Remember, by God's grace, we've been saved, right? Not a result of works that any man should boast. And by God's grace, he wants to give through us. It's all grace. It's all grace, okay? So it's all a gift, right? Influence others to be involved by telling others how Jesus, through you, brought you hope through adventure. And some of you might be like really worried. I'll tell you. I have You're struggling financially. You're like, man, I, I barely have enough gas to get here. In fact, I'll tell you. I have, I have had conversations with, with adventurers in the last month that can't afford to come to church. They don't have the gas money. So, so I'm hearing. Okay? I understand where people are at. I'm trying to help as much as we can. So we're offering this Financial Peace University class next year. Put that down. It's a good class, Dave Ramsey class. Here's the bottom line. Giving is spiritual. Those who are prepared to serve communion, would you please uh, ready yourselves? Giving is spiritual. It brings you near to the heart of God. It's not like here's my walk with Jesus and giving is something else. Oh, no, they go right together. They're together. So the question I want you to ask this morning is this. Where is God looking for you to excel next? 
Where? I say this. Ask Jesus to put on your heart how he wants you to excel in this grace of giving. And because giving is spirited, I want you to ask Jesus this question. You ask him. Let's say it together just for practice. Here's how I'll say it. Here's how I'll say it. Jesus, how do you want me to excel in the grace of giving? Jesus, would you put on my heart what you want me to start giving? Okay? Let's pray that prayer together, and then communion will be served. Our communion is open to all believers. You blood, participate at your own, your own speed. The bread is symbolic of Christ's body. The juice is blood. If your children are in services, their participation is up to you. Consider praying this prayer to Jesus with me. Lord Jesus, how do you want me to excel in the grace of giving? Lord Jesus, how do you want us to excel in the grace of giving? Lord Jesus, would you put on our heart what you want us to give? So we excel in this area that that we can improve in. In the name of Jesus Christ, who saved us, we pray. Amen. You may participate as soon as you're served.